0: It's around this time of the year that I get asked to speak to a group of business leaders on the a state of the nation on sales. And I'm always asked by the facilitator and the organizer of the event to talk about what's new in sales. And I get really agitated by that question. Not my inability to answer it immediately, but A frustration that, through experience, has told me that most people, most businesses fail to do the basics right. And the idea that there's some kind of new panacea, whether it's tech-driven or whether it's psychology-driven or whether there's a new version of the old theme of a sales methodology. For me, it's always about the basics. I had a conversation yesterday with someone who's a student of the markets, let's say, who's really well versed on the stock market. What goes on at the level we see, what goes on beneath that level. He shifts stuff around, he's, He's pretty smart. I also make him look pretty smart because I don't know an awful lot about that. But everything he said yesterday was painted with a hint of caution. And he wasn't necessarily saying, watch out what's coming down the line. But he was kind of saying, be cautious about what's about to come down the line. And we talked about the automotive sector. And we talked about the automotive sector in the States where... The manufacturers are moving to an agency model where the dealer network will be consumed by the manufacturers. So instead of having independence, the BMW dealer in your area will be BMW itself. We kind of talked about the production of cars having remained relatively consistent to the levels of COVID because they can control the market better. They can hike up the prices of new cars and also limit the supply, which means they can also hike up the prices of used cars. And so a market that was once fairly buoyant for the dealer, the retailer, um, it's now moving back into the control of the manufacturer. Uh, at the expense of the consumer. Okay, so there there are lots of things happening in, in the automotive sector that will change the way we buy cars um, and for how much we spend on cars. And when we take out loans to pay for cars, that old 25, 30% depreciation that immediately hits means that you're taking out a loan um, in a negative against something that's depreciated very dramatically. That's just one sector. You take a look at the hotel and catering and the leisure sectors. It was a brilliant uh, Thai restaurant chain that had opened up in Downpatrick, Banbridge, Newry and a few other places called Oho, O-H-O. And when it first opened, the Thai food, the range of food was very, very simple. You know, there wasn't millions of things on the menu, but what they did was just incredibly tasty, really, really tasty. And then the pandemic came and then, I think that they were still able to do some deliveries. And then after that, there was a massive, a dramatic shift in the quality of the ingredients they were using. So energy prices, oil prices, food prices soared. They tried to contain the price of their product. And they were able to do it to a point, but something had to give and the quality of the ingredients. Then the quality of the staff that were working in the place kind of changed. And you could see at no point there was any, Kind of onboarding or any training or any upskilling or any of the stuff that they excel that at the very beginning. And I'm not sure how recent it might have been the last month or two months. But the Dan Patrick store has closed, and I I fear that the rest of the network has closed. Banbridge is one, Newry is one. Maybe there's one in Newcastle. I'm not sure. But they were they were brilliant, and they are no longer. You have comments from the larger, more established, more exclusive restaurants claiming that it's getting harder and harder for them to justify staying open. People are changing their habits. Consumers are maybe eating more at home. And right now in this wonderful period of a heat wave, we have people are um, eating at home, barbecuing, all that sort of stuff. So it's not really a great time to be in the hotel, catering and leisure sector. Customers' expectations have been changing uh, over this last three or four years. Whatever is coming down the line at us, probably most of us need to be prepared for that. And so when people ask me to go to conferences and stand up, uh, when I say a conference, I'm talking about 15 or 20 people. It's not a waterfront hall job. It's a very contained group of people that um, we may have spoken to in the past. And we're talking about... What's new in sales? And what I always come back to is, let's check all of the basics first of all, and see where we are. Let's see how you are performing against the key challenges that you're facing right now. And so let's talk about that change of customer behavior and expectations. How are you managing to deal with changing customer expectations? I mean, there is something that constantly evolves, even if you look at it from your own perspective, how little time you would have spent going through shopping malls on the high street and buying everything online. I have to say that I have not been through Victoria Square maybe, but once in 18 months, Victoria Square is a shopping center in Belfast that was the jewel of the Belfast retail crime. And um, the last time I was there, There were quite a few uh, units closed. The next step is really to start introducing Poundland and charity shops because it's just going the way retail is going. Um, I'm not making light of how difficult the challenge is to run a center like that. But let's talk about customers' expectations. Um, So we've been influenced by a whole bunch of stuff since just before the pandemic. Um, Tech, digitization, market trends, uh, customer service, experiences and expectations and so for every business that says what's new what's new my question is how are you adapting to those changes in the in the environment that the customer sees you know um is your customer service whether it's business to consumer or business to business is your customer service as good as it could be um are you trying to uh, change the way you deal with your customers or because, in my eyes, most of the customer service relationships are typically dictated by the customer uh, with the idea that as long as you handle it quickly, politely, effectively, and to their satisfaction, customers will be okay. But for every new business development activity that you undertake, every mail shot, every email, every sponsorship, everything that you do to target new business, there is a competitor trying to target your existing customers. And so, how are you How are you doing that? How are you equipping your sales teams? Your, are, have, you, have you differentiated in your sales teams and your account management teams? What are your techniques that are using to... Your touch points, how frequent are your touch points? What insights are you bringing to them? Um, what research are you undertaking on their behalf to come back and further validate the work that you do? Um, are you trying to build stronger relationships? Um, how well are you communicating with them? One of the things that I've noticed... Um, after the sale is that less time is spent underlining the value, or let's talk about the customer value proposition. And what happens is that the salespeople continue to deliver the same stuff, um, ringing and occasionally saying, how are things going, anything else for us? What else do you want to do? Which is a really, absolutely no value whatsoever. And as you move further away from the initial sale, I think probably the customer value proposition gets diluted So how are you addressing that? How are you trying to build stronger relationships through better communication and delivering better customer service? And what does better customer service look like? How are you improving? Are you keeping on top of um, your service levels? Are you training to a high standard? Are you uh, surveying your customers? Are you confident that you can go out to the market and ask those customers that walked away why they walked away and are you prepared to take what they've said on board so that you can change the way you're doing things? Everything goes through the customer. It's my belief that everything goes through the customer, um, through your brand and through the customer. So it's really important to know what they're thinking all the time. OK, it's really, really important. But once sales are good, um, the eye goes off that kind of detail. It goes on to more growth and hit bigger targets and let's get more salespeople out. So. It's important before you try and look for anything new in the arena of sales is that you're completely killing it with your existing customers and that you're creating very special relationships that competitors will find very difficult to break. The next thing I would say is there's been a tremendous shift in the importance of technology and digitization of this last, pick it, pick one, one year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years. The ability to work from home, during the pandemic, the ability to transact online to make things easier and more simple for customers, um, was was apparent because it was it was based on need. You had to do it, or you kind of, you didn't survive. Um, digital is changing the sales landscape for sure. Um, there's several sectors that I work in where technologies are still being embraced at a very early stage. And there are other sectors that are almost fully digitally compliant, and they're doing everything they possibly can to to shift customer relationships and sales through a, a more digitized pipeline and relationship management process. Really, really difficult to say anything else other than if you don't embrace these changes, you're definitely going to risk falling behind. but it also, it is important to note that you have to have some kind of balance between the technology and the digital side of the business and the human person-to-person side of the business. Um, not every salesperson is a marketeer. Not every salesperson knows how to uh, socially sell. Um, but you've got all of these platforms there that are being underutilized, um, for prospecting as well as for brand positioning, et etc et So are they been trained? to embrace these technologies and to use this technology in a different way to your competitors. Training is definitely something that will help uncover that particular issue when you look at digital tools, CRM systems, social selling stra- strategies, online lead generation tactics, and so on and so forth. Um, you're gonna find yourself in a sticky position if you don't embrace these technologies, but you need to be trying to bolt it into a, uh, human touch and make sure that people still play a very active role in sales delivery and also in account management Um, for me it's always a very very question of really really quickly moving your prospect from an online position to an offline and person to person whether that's on zoom Teams, WebEx or whatever, or to face-to-face meetings and ideally face-to-face dependent on geography and other restrictions that you might face. The other thing that um, I think people need to consider is how they manage the sales their sales cycles. Uh, many business-to-business sales are very, very lengthy and complex in terms of the sales cycle. Um, If you're selling a high ticket item and it needs a fully considered decision that needs to be made by a board, you're looking at multiple stakeholders, you're looking at quite an intricate decision making process and you're going to be under a serious competition. So how are you addressing that? How are you approaching it? Um, Is it simply a numbers game? Um, Again, many of the businesses that I'm working with have really, really good sales pipelines in place and are managing to move stuff through the pipeline very effectively. But... It's a real challenge to try and reduce the time in a sales cycle. There's a lot of luck involved in sales in terms of the timing or you know, you're catching somebody at the beginning of a cycle, and uh, not just the financial year, but the lifespan of their existing supplier. And so how do you, how do you fix that? Um, how do you move very quickly through that? How confidently can you get your salespeople to um, make themselves more relevant and more of a priority in terms of the, the buyer's life? And that's a skill. Um, there's nothing new about it. There's no technology is really going to help you in that. And I think a sales training and coaching can help your salespeople navigate these complex sales cycles. Um, it's not all about methodologies. The one thing I will say is that uh, in the, the book, The Challenger Sale, it talks about the um, challenger salesperson being the one that is more resilient and robust in a time of recession because they're more valued, because they don't acquiesce. They don't just head nod. They don't just come along and agree with the seller. They they create what would be considered as perhaps very, very awkward moments in the sales process. Um, tension. They create um, almost an anxious situation where you're putting the buyer on the back foot by asking really, really relevant but challenging questions. And that's all about trust. You're not really going to create any kind of tension unless you have got a really, really strong relationship that's built on trust. And yeah, that takes time. Um, It's not going to be rushed. But there are things that you can do. There are ways of speaking. There's information exchange. There's bringing... Uh, considerable value every time you tap into your customer. I'm working with some clients that um, are slowly coming to terms with the idea that ringing up and asking, hey, "Well, how's it going? Is the PO ready?" is not is not the way forward. I, but we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of ringing and saying, "Yeah, okay. So, are we are we good to go? Are we ready?" Um, but I think every time that you're engaging with a, a client, you have to bring something of value that they will appreciate and respect and then expect from you every single time. That's not new, um, but I would challenge every business owner that's listening to this to make sure that you're doing that at every single stage of the life cycle of your sale, of your team, of your and your sales manager. And they're all on top of this, knowing that there's value being transferred at every touch point. Um, it's about relationship building, it's about strategic account management. It's also about looking at account based marketing um, where you're specifically targeting businesses that you're very clear on what you can offer and how you can add value and then following that up with a very rigid process. That's not new. And If you reflect on the way your business is delivering on that, you can see that there will be definitely some gaps. Even the best sales teams, the most efficient and effective sales teams will have gaps that push the sales cycle further. And that can be fixed by sales training and by by coaching. One of the other areas is uh, sales management and leadership. Um, it's refreshing when I see people that have been in sales, moving into a sales management position, that they are, uh, take time to be aware of what is different between their, their previous role and the, the new role, and how they can deliver on that. Um, and how they can create some kind of energy around the sales team through really good leadership practices and good management practices, consistent management practices, and sometimes inconsistent leadership practices, which I'd be happy to talk about, because it's not about uh, kind of Moy Park, 33 days later, the chickens will hatch and you go again, and it's a rinse and repeat process of management yes it's all about new processes yes it's about implementing technologies and digitizing the processes to make it more efficient but there's a real human element to energizing the team to bringing them to a different place um it's amazing how businesses those businesses that are really really good at what they do are constantly able to evolve their salespeople and lead them through different challenges because pretty much whether it's the next year or the next two years or the next five years, there will be another challenge ahead. And even if it wasn't to be talking so negatively about the, the looming uh, possibility of a recession, economic situations by nature will change almost daily or weekly. It's when the impact hits you that you need to be ready. So something could happen in in the global economy today and will be impacted in about six months or a year's time. And it's how are you ready for that? How is your leadership and management team ready for that? So that's not new. That's not looking at something that's gonna be able to be bolted on, like a panacea for all of your problems for future sales. It's about how you can address that. And predictably you'll expect me to say that, but I think sales coaching and mentoring and training can help your management team look at different aspects of their, the, the way they approach their team management and how they can be more effective. Another thing that adds on to that would be um, the development of sales strategies. You can bring in all the analytics you want, you can do all the market research, you can survey all of your customers and you can and do all the research and bring in all the economic data that's at your disposal. But creating sales strategy requires a whole lot more human-to-human engagement. You're looking at fully understanding customers' needs, understanding buying cycles, understanding uh, the use of insights and methodologies. Um, It's it's about fully understanding people, and I'm not sure there's really that much technology in the marketplace at the moment that can help you create better strategies but you need to have a process. Um, We use a number of different processes that work well for our our customers. So to try and make you more effective in 2024 and 2025, sitting down and bringing in some outside help to help develop sales strategy would be no bad thing. All kind of linked together. Um, And then finally, I suppose I really want to talk about creating a culture for the business so there are those organizations that will say they've been looking at culture for for decades now and they've always had a clear idea of the type of person that they wanted to recruit they would have had the right kind of people in place with the right kind of mentality um i've often talked about a job that i had in when i worked in london for one of the newspapers and it's only now in reflection that i can understand fully what that culture was like um and at the time i kind of thought it was all taken to chance it all fell to the lap of the gods but it didn't it was a very strategic approach to building a team that were able to cover off certain clients certain industry sectors certain brand products from newspapers to magazines to supplements all that sort of stuff and what you had were a really really disciplined um and the ABLE team of people that fitted together, that there was a relatively low turnover of staff, but people that were brought in, um, it was always important that they fitted into the existing dynamic. And that culture was very, very strong at one particular time, over a period of maybe 18 months to two years. It was incredibly strong. And um, obviously delighted to have been part of that, but that wasn't created by technology. That wasn't, that's not new. That's something that um, I think is vital for sustained business growth in a recession period or out of a recession period. But for some businesses, it's really difficult to instill such a mindset because for some business owners who are heavily involved in in business development, it's a real leap of faith. It's somebody from the outside coming into them as a consultant and saying, you know, that what you're doing now isn't really quite right. Um, You should change A, B and C. And they have validation every day in their balance sheet on their sales targets that they're doing okay or they're doing well. But culture is really king of the minute and as far as sales goes, and for some businesses changing to a, a more effective culture, a more embracing culture, uh, changing in the way people dress, changing in the rigid nine to five, trying to encourage people to work from home not all the time, but some of the time to tell people that this doesn't work working from home in this to to empowering them, to giving them more trust, to um, letting them make more mistakes, to encouraging them to encourage them to make mistakes and let them know that it's a safe place for them to fail, not consistently fail, but to fail once or twice. Um, it's a leap of faith for some people. It's a uh, especially with business businesses that are, um managed or led by people who set them up who have done it one way for five or ten years and you could argue that it's a brave move to change or it's a foolish move not to change but for some people they struggle to not micromanage any kind of change like that so bringing in culture is something that if you're really serious about your changing your, the, the makeup of your sales team changing it to one that's going to be more resilient to a, a, a tighter economy then you really need to consider your culture that's not going to be assisted really by any kind of technology um, you can have technology as part of your culture and your behaviors and what's required of staff but ultimately it is again um, reading people understanding the psychology of people and team building And that's again something that we'll be delighted to help with Uh, but it's something that's not new and so when people say you know so what's new in sales what has changed there's a lot of stuff that has changed that can that can help in the battle there's a lot of technology that we can we can use that will help us create better lifetime value customers crm is the one that springs to mind where you can start Trapping information that's not just fact-based and business-related, but that gives some indication as to where the relationship is going with the buyers in that organisation. Taking notes of what they've said in terms of some of their, um, I would say their 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 habits inside and outside of work, to know the key relationships within the organisations. CRM has been going for for a long time, um, and it's using it properly would be really, really valuable AI for writing content and sales pitches. I'm still not convinced. Um, I'm really still not convinced that it's um, really bullshit in and bullshit out, isn't it? So if the person prompting chat GPT doesn't really fully understand the challenges faced by your customers, then it's always going to be a features and benefits led response. And that's not new either. Businesses have moved away from wanting to be told what the features and benefits are. They're really only interested in can you solve our problem? Do you understand our problem? Have you got proof that you have uh, understood and solved this problem for other people? And are you good at building relationships? Again, that's down to people buying from people. I hope this is of some kind of help to you. It's it's one that I've just put, put. Uh, I wanted to record because over the last couple of weeks, I've seen different uh, parts of the client portfolio, work in different ways and achieving success by tightening up processes, getting the simple things right, um, creating processes that are repeatable again and again and again, recruiting the right kind of people, training the right kind of people, making sure that the right kind of people stay, making sure that it's possible to move on those people that don't fit. that's what's new in sales. Same as it ever was, I guess. Thanks for tuning in and um, I will talk to you soon.